0: It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 726 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of Record. I have another excellent episode lined up for you today. Joining me as my guest on this episode of Accelerate is Bill Wilson, and Bill's the co-founder and CEO at SalesRight. And the topic we're going to dig into today is transparency in sales especially when it comes to pricing. So Bill and I are going to dig into when is the right time to talk about price with your prospects and how do you keep the buyer engaged as they go through their buying process and perhaps their needs and requirements change? How do you keep them engaged in a really transparent fashion about pricing and what their options are and what it means for them now and what it means in terms of the value they're going to receive, the ROI they're going to receive from investing in your solution? And we're also going to talk about why sellers so often want to defer that price conversation. Yeah, actually, why, sometimes why sales experts will give you that advice. Oh, don't talk about price. Do you get enough information for them to provide some context? Which, yeah, oftentimes defers the price discussion way too late into the game, just creating suspicion from the buyer. So, Bill and I are going to get into why you don't want to take that course of action. And we'll talk about what's the number one piece of information your buyers want. So before I get to Bill, I want to take a quick second to talk about my sales growth planner. The sales, sales growth planner is the ultimate planner and tracker for high-performance sellers and sales leaders. The sales growth planner is built to help you identify your big, bold sales goals and give you a step-by-step framework to enable the learning and growing you need to achieve them. It's all based on a planning format that I've successfully used myself for over four decades as a top producer and a high-growth sales leader. Because I know the thought and effort you put into creating your plan will be repaid with interest at the end of 12 months. So become the best version of you. Visit thesaleshouse.com forward slash planner to get your sales growth planner today. That is thesaleshouse.com forward slash planner. right, let's jump into it. Bill, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, you're actually the second entrepreneur we've had Join us from Halifax. Oh wow! Um, I shouldn't have said that. Now I forgot. It's <laughs> a lead shift, I think. Oh yeah, lead shift. Lead shift. Yeah, 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 Tukan, Great guy. Yeah, yeah, love love Tukan. He's yeah. cool. So Tukan. it seems like there's a little you know, tech startup scene going on in the very remote <laughs> reaches of Canada.
1: Yeah, no, there's a there's a really good scene. It's been you know several years in the making, but over the last you know ten years, I'd say it's really it's really Built up in the last few years, it's been going really strong.
0: So what's what's the attraction for? I mean, is there a a university there? A major university that's putting out engineering employees, or what's what's driving that?
1: Yeah, there's several universities, big university town. um, You know, we're the largest center, I think, the side of Montreal, you know, east of Montreal. But I think I want to say there's seven universities. There may be less now because I think in Halifax. Yeah, I think there's been some you know uh, amalgamation over time. Mm -hmm. um, But there's several really good. Um, tech schools. And there's been a real big focus on uh, tech and entrepreneurship over the last few years. So it's been, it's been really great to see it. And there's some really good um, you know, community support and governmental support you mm-hmm. know, designed, designed to attract talent and, right. and retain it. And then, of course, to help build startups. So for example, our office is in a, is in a um, I guess, a startup house called uh, Volta Labs, and uh, they've got you know three floors of an office building downtown, and provide all kinds of support and programs and co-working space. It's it's really great. And how big of a metropolitan area is Halifax? Uh, I believe it's about uh, it's a little less than five hundred thousand if okay. you count it. Yeah, so you know the the downtown and the, the, there was a series of cities that amalgamated in the nineties. So uh, the it, it's far-reaching, but you yeah, know the core is probably a few hundred thousand, and then it would, it. It would make up the rest. Yeah,
0: got it. That's the great thing about the whole tech industry is you can do it from anywhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, all right. Well, tell us a little bit about your company, SalesRight, um, R I G H T. And I mean, there's a a message in there, I presume, in the name.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, SalesRight is really designed to uh, provide transparent pricing for B two B SaaS. You know, there's an element of um, you know. Typical B2B SaaS, you've got your self-serve sign-up pages, you know, where Mm -hmm. you've got the two or three tiers. uh, And then you almost always have that right-hand tier that says call us or enterprise. Right. So, you know, that's where we want to, that's where we sort of focus. So the usual process once you get into that tier is, uh, you know, you talk to a BDR. Mm -hmm. uh, They qualify you a little bit. uh, They shuttle you off to an account executive. That account executive does their... Thing and they dig into your problem and they take you through the software and you know they really get to your pain um, and then ultimately what you end up with is probably an email with a block of text in it or a PDF and a price and you know you're you, you're now left with that single option and I feel like
0: that's where things start to break because people only have one choice
1: yeah and I think you know people like to control their own destiny we have. Um, you know, we, this day and age, buyers are really smart and they want to be able to play a bit of what if analysis and, you know, understand what their, um, you know, what their options are without having mm-hmm. to go back and forth with um, people you know, like you and me. Yeah, exactly. Like just <laughs> constant back and forth. So, you know, in a in spirit of trying to shorten that sales cycle, but I think really what it comes down to is trust and transparency. So if we can provide a bit more transparency and allow our, um, you know prospects to participate in the pricing conversation. I think I think we'll build a lot more trust with them and you know ultimately you know if we can do it right, there's a few psychological buying principles that we can take advantage of that we often take advantage of in our self-serve models, but not very often do we do it inside our custom deals.
0: Okay, so what your application does it's become part of somebody's sales stack. Yeah. So
1: yeah, it sort of fits in that late stage opportunity to close. You know,
0: where you're you're doing those
1: custom B two B SaaS sales, mm-hmm. um, and you know we allow people to create you know custom pricing guides that allow you to, you know, visualize, you know, several
0: tiers or options. Which, which customer accesses through a, a portal or... Yeah, so they get sent a link, um, mm-hmm. you
1: know, it's all driven by the, on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to play around with it. They get to play with some, you know, what-if analysis. You know, if you've, if the, you know, the sales rep can get really creative, they can do comparisons against themselves. Maybe they've got their typical package and they're like, a package built, that's built just for them. Maybe it includes customer success management or a few other incentives. And maybe the price is a bit lower in May, you know, so you can even just do comparisons against yourself. Right.
0: So to create custom bundles,
1: yeah, you create custom bundles, um, and then the beauty of it is, is that when you know, once you send one of these things out, you your prospect is going to start to interact with it. Um, so for us, what we do is then we start surfacing back all the analytics mm-hmm. and how we are interacting with it back to the account executive, because we feel like the uh, follow ups, you know, we all have to follow up. Like it's just right. an it's constantly following up. So, um, but to do that in a way that's much more genuine. And then just you know, hey, just trying to get them back to the top of your inbox. Sure, it's like, hey, you know, like I see that you've been focusing a lot on whether to go with the, you know, startup package or the scale package or whatever it happens to be, or you know, this many documents versus that many documents, or a particular feature they keep looking at over and over again.
0: So you're doing uh, sort of a little heat map based on where they.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have heat maps yet, but we do have analytics about everything they've clicked on and, and touched. Okay. And so when they, whenever they choose a different package, we sort of record the change in pricing and or the change in value of the contract, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then, uh, so that allows the, pros- the the account executive at least to have reasonable follow ups, also timely follow ups. You can actually reach out to them when they're looking at the pricing, right? Which is super helpful. Um, but ultimately, you know, we want we want people to be invested. You know, cognitively in that pricing conversation, um, there's some real advantages to being able to see where you're going to go. Um, we all know in from SaaS, the buyer's
0: perspective or the seller's the buyer, perspective. Yeah, from the
1: buyer's perspective. Sure. And you know, we have um, you know in SaaS, we know that the sale never ends with the sale, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have an option to you have to sell them every month on that sure. value. So. Um, if they can see how their growth maps into your software, that's amazing, right? So they can see, okay, today I'm at, you know, 50 employees and I want to scale this up to hundred. So what, what might that look like? What would it cost me um, in the future? Like, what's my future state look like with your product? And we think that's, we think that's really powerful and really uh, empowering for the buyer and super transparent and trust building for the account exec. So, you know, like they, they now have, um, you know, they're seen as a trusted partner, about where they're, you know, how how pricing is structured over time, so it's very transparent.
0: Okay, so just to make clear, is because I looked at the site, but I didn't sign up for the demo. Was was do um, so you have built in calculators? Then yeah,
1: okay. so. You know, we support things like multi access pricing, where you can, you know, um, you choose your package, but then you may have a multiplier on top of those packages, which is a really popular sort of expansion mm-hmm. mechanism in SaaS. So maybe it's per seat, maybe it's per bundle of contacts or documents or things like this. Sure. Uh, the other popular ones are things like add-ons. You know, maybe that there's a really enhanced onboarding you're going to need to do or you know multiple training sessions that you want to charge for or maybe there's a consulting component right. of what you've got to do. So those can be listed as add-ons and you know they may not be necessary but it's also nice to to be able to offer those as offer those up as options. So as they select those different things, you know it sort of builds out their package.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They can see a breakdown of what the estimated costs may be mm-hmm. and when they're ready to buy, you know the the account executive has set up the guide in such a way that you know that call to action that's on there can either be, you know, book a meeting with them or fire them off to a uh, commitment link where, you know, where they can take payment if mm-hmm. you know, that's what they do. Um, but more often than not, it, it's going to send them an email and, you know, let's have that conversation about closing it. Right.
0: So, all right. So a couple questions questions on that. So what led you to sort of identify that this was a problem? Well, two things. One, um, I bought a lot of enterprise SaaS,
1: (laughs) and I've been on the receiving end of these things Sure, and, um, I always have questions and I'm always left going back and forth with sales reps and sales reps are busy. So, you know, I may not be the highest on their list that day. So I mean, you know, it may take me some time to get that Mm in and maybe some, and sometimes when I got that information, I wasn't necessarily in the headspace to deal with it at that point. So, um, that was a bit frustrating. Um, and then uh, in another business I ran called Mindsy, uh, we sold a lot of productized services, and we realized that um, packaging them up and comparing them against each other was a really great way instead of writing a really long proposal that nobody reads. Yeah, uh, was something real, visually. Yeah, something visual to actually show people, you know, explicitly what they're getting, what they're not. Right. And that also allowed us to take advantage of some anchor pricing and some buying psychology that we had never really considered before, you know, showing the highest price items to the left and, you know, value going down. um, You know, all those types of things was really interesting to see play out. So we built uh, a product uh, or a tool inside of MindSee that basically did this Mm -hmm. um, pretty geared by a little web page, and we would send it to our clients and we didn't have any, you know, we'd send them a link, but more often than not, we would do a screen share, like a zoom like this. And then we would, Basically, get them to bring up the link on their screen and share their screen, and then we'd watch what they would do. Right? right? We watch how they navigated it. So that was sort of our real-time heat map of of how they were navigating pricing. So it really made for a good conversation point. And more often than not, we could close the deal just with one of those guides instead of spending the hours it's going to take to build out a proposal. Huh. So, you know, we found proposals. We would always write proposals. So, you know, we found people would just you know, look at the very front page, you know, sort of like the overview. Sure,
0: yeah, look they at the pricing, the right? Pricing
1: really quickly. Right, right. <laughs> right. And then if they were really interested, they go look at our terms of service, right? they go look at our contract. So, I figured, you know, we can skip a lot of steps here, right? We can start in talking about the value that they're going to receive, and let's lay that out in a way that is also highlights the other big thing that everybody wants to talk about, which is pricing. So, that's why we we, we built it that way. And uh, so, we built a product inside MindSee, and every time I showed it to a client, um, you know, if they were in tech at all, they were like, where did you get this tool? This is amazing. Like, I I love this. And I said, oh, you know, it's a tool we built in-house. No, no, no big thing. Um, But I heard it enough um, that i and I realized that also, you know, in SaaS pricing is probably one of the biggest levers people can pull and it's a really tough problem. Mm -hmm. So those two things combined led me to say, you know, this, this could really help Inside that, inside that custom sale, and it can also help in tons of other ways just inside the SaaS business itself. You know,
0: yeah, let's, to- let's jump into that because I think that that um, yeah, just from thinking what you're what you're talking about is is I'm a huge proponent of selling price early mm-hmm. in a deal, and I know that's anathema to many traditional sellers. Is I worked for a boss whose motto was early in my career. His motto was. Quote early, quote often, right. and we used quotes to qualify and also do discovery. <laughs> I mean, it was it was, a, it was great mechanism. We were selling large, complex enterprise deals, um, and if done appropriately, it's it's very effective. And for me, what I find interesting about this is that qualifi- well, I mean, qualifications generally done miserably across the board in sales, SaaS, whatever. Um, but, yeah, my experience found is you, you cannot consider a prospect qualified until they've bought into your pricing. Right. Doesn't mean it's the final price, but until they've bought into the idea that the outcomes they want to achieve, they can achieve with a certain amount of investment. And they then use that information to make this internal decision, which is, in a, you know, decisions get made in two steps, and this is, you know, People have studied this. as first step is, hey, are we going to make a change or not? Well, this is information they need to make that change. The second order decision is who we're going to make the change with. The big decision is, are we going to change?
1: Right.
0: And yeah. so I, I find this sort of interesting approach to that is that, A, you sort of demystify the pricing, and B, if you expose pricing on in an interesting and logical and sort of value-based uh, perspective, Early on, that as you go through the selling process and their needs necessarily evolve because they learn more from you, then that automatically gets updated in the pricing. It really, yeah, it seems much more collaborative.
1: Yeah, it's collaborative and it gives you something to center the conversation around. Right, you can always point back to it. You know, so if they come back to you and they say, you know, I really like this. Um, but we're going to need that customer success manager. Like, we're not sure it's going to take us a while to get ramped up. I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be left to support. I really need a dedicated customer success manager, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they can up they can update it in real time, almost on the phone. They're like, okay, cool. It's updated. Have a look, you know, circulate that amongst your peers or your, you know, your, your team and, and let me know what you think. It just gives that real, you know, they, they feel like it's, um, well, just, does the seller update it
0: or do they update it, the customer? Uh,
1: the seller would update it, okay. yes. You know, they, they can pick and choose their own adventure, but if that's right. not on, if they needed something in the package in that right. negotiation, it's really easy to um, show them that value just instantly. They can just change it while they're on the phone and say, okay, refresh your screen, and then there it is, right? They've got their, they've got their brand new pricing.
0: Um, Which so, again, is, 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 uh, to me, is a really good practice because <laughs> you know, I, I think the last thing salespeople should be doing is negotiating. Because <laughs> first of all, they're, they're horrible at it, yeah, right. uh, pretty much across the board, and yeah, uh, you know, we should have. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I could get going about why you should have professional contracts people handle contracts, but um, but really, the way that salespeople should be "quote unquote" negotiating is just sort of what you're saying is if you could do this in real time, which again is a practice I I endorse. Is yeah, we're gonna update this package. They say, well, let's let's see this option. Great, we'll update it. Oh, that's a little high, but I really need that. Well then the logical thing for the salesperson to say is, well, yeah, then maybe we'll just decrease the scope on this side a little bit, right? We'll mm-hmm. change the deliverables here to affect the price, and, and you get your customer service person.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and you get and then you end up with this horse trading mentality as opposed to reducing your pricing.
0: Right, which is really what you need. That's to me, that's yeah. not negotiation. That's that is trade-offs, right? You're making trade-offs. Right. And sellers really need to get good at making trade-offs with the buyer. And during the selling process, because then when you get to the end of the line and they say, yeah, the is great, we're right where we want to be, they know they can't ask for anything else because you've just established that if you ask for a discount, we're just going to have to decrease the scope. And they've been playing that game with you for however long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, and then it just sets up so many interesting ways to um, present pricing either early, like even at the BDR stage. If you wanted to get into qualification early, you could even just present basic packages and see if I'm they. I'm not can sure I out. go that far, but yeah, but I mean, certainly outlining packages, maybe not with the price, but certainly outlining the packages and showing them the different options,
0: depending, depending who your BDRs and SDRs were. Yeah, very <laughs> possibly. Sure. Yeah, and then and then when you get into the
1: actual. Um, you know, who's in control of pricing. So you've got, you know, your VPs of sales, or depending on the size of the SaaS company, you know, C-level is always involved in pricing. Um, but pricing and displaying of pricing is at that weird intersection of sort of all parts of the product, right? Like you've got product people, you've got sales people, and you've got, you know, the executive, they're, they're all there. Mm-hmm. And then a to get it published and making sure that you can actually build the packages you need, you know, you've got engineering involved and things like that. So um, it's a real, it's a real hot button topic. And uh, being able to communicate that across your team effectively is another reason to, to start thinking about things this way, you know, um, being able to package things and play the move for your own internal team training. Like if you're going to change pricing and how things are structured for that particular month, like, all right, guys, here's the June offer. Like, this is what it looks like. This is what we're going with. Mm-hmm. All your outreach, this is the thing we're going to sell. So, here's your guides, here's your templates. Go for it. Like, let's get some, you know, let's put something to the door. So, it, it just gives people a bit more of a structure to work in without a ton of extra work. You know, the last thing sales rep want to do is process, right? Like, no, that's, that's
0: right. They don't. Right. So, we can
1: make it super easy for them. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, having this inside your stack, having a tool like this inside your stack connected on both ends to Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever you happen to be using so that deals are automatically updated is going to be, you know, that's ultimately where we want to go. Mm -hmm. You know, configure price quote is super complicated for a lot of people. Right. You know, especially in the SaaS world, like you don't need all of that. Um, So we're trying to pull that, you know, down a bit and make it a bit more simple and attack it from this the way that buyers are used to buying, you know, B2C SaaS, the backbone of B2C SaaS has been built on these sort of packaging Mm -hmm. and Mm B2C SaaS has followed suit. Um, So, you know, why are we changing this now once we get inside that, you know, custom sale? Like, let's continue that transparency and empowerment of our prospects, builds trust for us um, and sets, and there's no surprises, right? That's the other big thing. No surprises in the future.
0: Yeah. well, And I think that just a point you made earlier. One thing that's that's very interesting about it is the fact that you can sort of set up the custom quotes to reflect the way people are accustomed to seeing standard pricing. So with, right. yeah, you knows the power of three. Supposedly you're supposed to optimize optimal, give people three choices. Yada yada yada. You said start from left to right. Yeah. Um which you know is the opposite the way most companies do it. They go yeah. most expensive on the yeah, right to the left. But
1: always go to the left. That's one tidbit. <laughs> yeah, go, start on the to the left. <laughs> Always start with the Cadillac and work down to the neon, you know yeah
0: yeah no i I think that's that's true well it's <laughs> um and why not use little things like that to, to attract the interest of the the buyer so yeah, you I mean, go ahead, I'm sorry, no, no, go ahead so you and i' been had talked a little bit about exchange communication before and and so you say that you think saAS sales are broken mm-hmm. uh why? I mean, and how's that tied to what you're, you're doing? Well, I mean, ultimately, it, it
1: is this idea of, I think, you know, for the large part, you know, self-serve SaaS is fine. You know, like that, that whole process works great. It's, it's, um, it's this single option thing that I have, a, I have a hard time with. And I think that's where a lot of people can benefit from, you know, just switching the conversation to a bit more of a um, let the customer lead. You know, you, you, as salespeople, our job is to figure out what our prospects need. Like, that is our job. And you can't take that from, you know, like you can't take that from. Them. We're the ones who are going to figure out if our solution can solve your problems or not. If it, if it doesn't, I shouldn't be selling it to you. Um, but but that seems I to be
0: where that, the problem lies, that? though. That seems to be where the problem resides right now, though, is that to your point, is, is yeah, we sort of figured out B2C, self serve, SaaS. But as we go up the complexity of scale, and we actually have to start selling, then we run into issues.
1: Right. And I, and I think, you know, people are faced with these, you know, like there's been so much research and, you know, done into how to sell. Um, and
0: you know, not much but, of it very good either.
1: Well, <laughs> is it. So, you know, like there's lots of great, there's lots of great, you know, ideas out there. And I think that, um, but I, I guess my, my biggest problem for me was just not understanding why um, we have all this great, uh, you know, this built in psychological selling that we already know works. And then we just completely throw it out the window when we go to do a custom sale. So, meaning what? So, you know, why do we not Why do we not give our prospects options? Why do we revert to these these systems where we're just constantly emailing back and forth and, and having this, you know, painful process every time I... Like, I mean, I even do this with HubSpot. You know, going back and forth with HubSpot on pricing it's just like... When you're the customer, you mean? Yeah, it's mind-numbing. So, like, w- why make it more... Like, why add more friction? You know, like... Lay your cards on the table. Be transparent about what, where things are. You know, line up what you think is going to work for them and you know, pre-configure that and say, here you go. Here's what we think is going to work for you. Have a look at it. Play with it. You know, dig into it because that's ultimately what people want. People, do you think people want to call you to talk about their enterprise pricing?
0: Well, no. so Let's, let's operate on some of the assumption that the reason that people aren't changing that is fear. Right, so what's, oh, what's what's the fear that's keeping sellers from doing exactly what you're proposing?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I talk to a lot of companies about this, and I hear everything from you know we don't want to have our competitors get our pricing. You know, <laughs> there I have it. And this and this is the thing. So <laughs> competitors go pricing. We don't want to have our our pricing out there because we want to show the value that we bring, and we feel like it's really high, and people are going to get sticker shock. Um, also, you know, stupid. Yeah yeah exactly so I mean and this is, this is kind of my point, so I think I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of value i think in, in working with companies that are have those uh, you know those that mentality of, of trying to keep their pricing private and you know getting into this packaging and pricing mentality of being able to really sort of just lay things out and getting them used to that I think will actually I think will do a lot of them a lot of good. And I know a lot necessarily have complex pricing and I can see why you wouldn't want to put that on your website necessarily because maybe there are a lot of moving parts or maybe mm-hmm. there are clients sure. issues. Yeah, you if, know, it's, if it's um,
0: truly a configure price quote system, absolutely.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I can totally see that. And, and we work with a lot of prospects or a lot of, a lot of companies like that. And um, you know, they necessarily have stuff locked down. Um, because there are twelve moving parts, <laughs> you know that they have to configure, which is I mean, a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe not twelve, but you know a handful.
0: Um, but I would think in those instances they would still want to use a tool like yours for oh, ballpark pricing, estimated pricing, so on.
1: Yeah, and we found actually um, a lot of people that have that, you know, multi-axis pricing, especially where where there's a few multipliers on top of whatever package or platform they use, mm-hmm. so We found that we've really opened the doors for them. Like they've, they haven't been able to communicate it in a way that made sense. They had really complicated spreadsheets, um, and they were trying to get to present those to their prospects and things like that. And they, they just didn't have a tool that could do it for them, and respond quick enough to change. You know, people can build pricing calculators on their website today, no problem. They can mm-hmm. do all that kind of stuff, but being able to respond to change you know, really quickly and get that up on your website and all that kind of stuff. There's always a bunch of friction there. Mm-hmm. If we can put that in the power of the bullpen, you know, and the VPs of sales, um, and you know, in consultation with product, then mm-hmm. you know it's a matter of changing a few things and they've got a beautiful looking pricing guide again. Right. You know, that matches their their new pricing structure, lets them do A B testing, lets customer success teams upsell. You know, it the once you get something that you can point at and look at and everybody can visualize you know, that power is inside the team is, is, is palpable. Like they can really, I really, you know, every time I show it, like, the light, lights go on and like, you can feel haze get lifted when they see that they can actually start to communicate even internally, um, in a more mm-hmm. you know, visual way. So, uh, I think it avoids a lot of confusion. You know, it saves a lot of time on the back and forth with prospects. There's a lot of time building out, you know, proposals that no one's going to read and you're not going to close. Um, and it really lets you surface all of well. that
0: but that's to your point right there. Is they're never going to close. They're never going to read and never going to close. That was preordained before you got to that point, right? Is <laughs> so using pricing as a qualification tool is something you should have done in those instances. So you weren't wasting your time,
1: right? And that's what we found like in our, in in my past company, that's how we started using it. Like we'd spend a lot of time creating proposals and we would talk about pricing with prospects and stuff, but there's nothing like actually seeing it, you know, and in front of them and seeing how they, how they respond to it. And if it's for them or not. And I think, um, and I mean, ultimately, you know, you need to, you know, if there are objections still, after you present pricing, you know, you need to loop back around and find out what those objections are and just make sure that your solution solves their problem. Um, Because, you know, I hear a lot like, "Oh, deals aren't won or lost on pricing," and um, I, I beg to differ. I think I think there's actually quite a bit that goes into pricing and how things are structured, and I think it's a very very important part of the process. And you're right; people are scared to bring it up.
0: Well, um, let's let's dive into the semantics a little. But I think maybe we fine tune that that first saying, which is price, not pricing. Whereas pricing, which I'll call the presentation of price, mm-hmm. yeah, can can absolutely make a difference.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm. But I also
0: I'm, I'm, have a firm rule that you can't get a price objection from a qualified prospect. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah,
1: if they're qualified and they need what you have, they're going to find a way to make it work.
0: Well, and that's why pricing and talking about pricing and the value they're going to receive from your solution, how it ties to the outcomes they're going to achieve. Is such an essential part of qualification. And yeah, you're not gonna do it on the first step. You have to go through discovery, maybe multiple steps of discovery to help them get to that point where they can make that change, no go, no go change decision. But they're not qualified to do that. They can't do that without pricing. Right. And it's such a it's such a critical point in a sales process or in the buying journey, as when well the customer says, Yeah. Based on what we've seen so far, based on the various numbers we've seen from the vendors. Yeah, this makes sense for us, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. the key is is that just to make sure they're primarily interested in making that decision based on your pricing. And if you do a great job laying it out clearly, then you will be in the pole position. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we find that
1: a lot with with our with our clients is that you know the the um, the polish that it provides for them and the uh, just the shareability in like you know oftentimes you're selling at a certain level and there's mm-hmm. still stakeholders you're not talking to. I mean, ultimately you'd want to be able to talk to them, but you're not like this, you know, say you build up your champion, right. And you arm him with this pricing. He now has something he can share inside his team. Uh, and you know, they can, they can dig into it together and look mm-hmm, at it, and mm-hmm. still, from a from the perspective of an accounting executive, it's gold because you're getting all of that feedback as how they're uh, how they're interacting with it and how they're using it. So, you know, it's it's win win, you know, on on those things, right? It's nice and transparent for the prospect, and give you do all the information you right. need to know what they really think about your pricing.
0: Yeah, well, and again, I think the advantage goes, and part of the reason I'm intrigued about what you're doing is that, uh, you know, shareability has to do with you know, how clear things are, right? So if the message presented isn't clear, then yeah, shareability goes down substantially, and that just yeah. that hurts you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. We found a few a few things just on that note, like where people had add-ons and they were worded in a language that made sense, of course, to the product, mm-hmm. but didn't make a lot of sense. So there's something they had just gotten used to over time. You know, sure. You know, it's like oh, we call it the you know yeah. the wizard or whatever, right. and people just don't. And inside their organization, they refer to it as something completely different. So something as simple as that and seeing, seeing those questions come up over and over and again, quick change in the pricing, you know, clarity, you know, value and, and they're off to the races. No, don't have to update the marketing collateral. You don't have to update that dog-eared PDF you've been sending to all your clients, Mm. paste the logo on it. You know, like you don't have to do any of those things. You can just make the change, test it out and, uh, and, and cycle it through. So I think it just arms people with a, a, a bunch more tools that they never had at their disposal before.
0: Yeah, and I think that part of the reason that I find it very interesting as well, is, as well is that, as a point I make to sellers all the time, is, and unfortunately not enough of them are, are putting this into practice, is the mere act of selling to a prospect, or let's say the buyer's mere act of investigating products and services, necessarily changes them. And so what they think they need at the beginning of the process may not be the same as what it is You know, a week into it, two weeks into it, or whatever scale you're working on. And so to have this ability to be able to reflect that in real time Mm -hmm. in the offers that you're making becomes pretty valuable. As opposed to saying, yeah, well, great, I'll make it into that when we present our proposal. At the end of the thing, we'll include that. And well, I'm sure you have clients that use this purely in that way and do this just for more clearly laying out pricing at the end of a deal, to me, the value I see is as a seller, it's like, yeah, I want to probably use this early on. I want to get the pricing out there in front of them. We'll talk about their outcomes. We'll see what changes. We'll keep updating it. And it's this collaboration piece that we talked about.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, collaborative,
0: transparent mm-hmm. trust. Transparent. transparent. Well, and that's that's right. Well, that's the nice thing about this too, is and you know, your use of the word transparent. You know, this is the first cornerstone of trust. You know, have a little acronym about how to build trust. It's MICE M I C E and the M stands for, yeah. Are your motivations transparent? Right. The I is, do you have integrity? Well, there's, yeah. Being able to be very transparent with your pricing, uh, plays <laughs> plays a big part in that. So,
1: yeah, agreed, agreed. And um, I think if we can get a lot of companies, a lot of sales reps over that awkwardness of talking about pricing and bringing it up early, um, you know, I think I think everybody will be in a better position. I think people hold out hope far too long in deals. <laughs>
0: Well, yes, they do.: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so we say it's human nature. People don't want to hear "no, but salespeople have heard this for decades. in training is a quick no" is better. Unfortunately, part of the training too, though, is that, well, no's not really no. And it's like, right. nah, yeah. sometimes no actually is no, and that's okay. <laughs>
1: that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes no is okay, cool. No, all right, I'll put you back in my, my drip. <laughs> in my drip,
0: yeah. And it'll be yes later. But
1: yeah, maybe no. not today,
0: right? No, yeah, I know it's there's sort of this particular sort of macho strain of, of sales that uh, refuses to acknowledge any sort of objection
1: yeah well, I mean, yeah, and I guess that's that's part of it too. It's like you know these these conversations these tools like being able to present this stuff early can bring up a lot of objections you can address early, you know you sure. know like that, that whole qualification thing you were talking about, mm-hmm. like you know you don't really know what their objections are until you really start you know putting pen to paper and and, and getting those things in there right well
0: objections yeah. are just questions waiting to be answered, so right. yeah, better, so better to surface the questions early. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Bill, we've run out of time, but uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate you coming on. So, tell Thank folks how they can find out more about SalesRight and connect with you. Sure.
1: So, you can find me on Twitter at wdrwilson. You can find us at salesright.co or at Co on Twitter.
0: And again, that is S-A-L-E-S-R-I-G-H-T, in case you're not uh, looking at our show notes page. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure we do this again. That was a lot of fun. Great. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Bill. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guest, Bill Wilson. Join me again next week as my guest will be Sean Finder. Sean is the founder and CEO of AutoClose. And Sean and I are going to be talking about whether we've gone too far in automating sales. So, be sure to join us then. Before you go, don't forget to check out The Sales House. It is the sales growth accelerator for B2B sellers just like you visit saleshouse.com forward slash accelerate. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.